morning, everybody. Welcome to Read It and Weep. We are a podcast where we read the worst modern fiction we can find, and then we talk about it. And of course, by read, I mean listen to the awful audiobook version. <laughs> my name is Alex. I'm in Portland, and I'm joined today, as always, by my good friends, Chris and Ezra. Chris and Ezra, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for waking up early on a Saturday morning to spend your day talking to me about The Notebook. Wait, I'm spending my whole day? <laughs> oh my god. You're here until I let you go. Damn it. We are talking today about The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks, the first two discs, and we'll be back in next week to talk about the rest of it, and then we'll probably watch the movie. So if you're reading along at home, which we don't recommend, that will keep you caught up. You'll also be able to download the audiobook at our website, read-weep.com. All right, let's get started. Yeah, compliment sandwich. Let's let's do this. Who would like to begin? Okay, I think I got a legitimate compliment. <laughs> Good. Oh god. Don't hurt um, yourself. Okay, no, no, no. The structure um, of the way that the, to- the story is being told, right? So it's like we start with old guy, and then we move to like inside the frame story. That's that's kind of okay, you know. I don't I don't hate the idea of, of using a um, a frame story to get into the heart of the matter. Wait, so your compliment is that you don't actively hate the structure of the story? <laughs> Again, as good of a compliment as I can make right now. <laughs> okay, my compliment is that the romantic female lead is not a tart. <laughs> first, she uh, when she's getting ready to see her, her, her love for the first time, she tries on one dress, and it's a little bit too, quote, feminine. Yes. <laughs> so then she puts on something a little more modest. Give me a manly dress. That's what I want. <laughs> Give me something that's just a square. Yes. <laughs> it's made of rectangles, and part of it is plaid. Let's do this. <laughs> it's my lumberjack dress. <laughs> She's described as having kind of a nice bod, yeah. but... She doesn't really want to show it off at first. And essentially she's going she's she's lied to her husband to go rendezvous with her one true love. So it is a time when one might tart oneself up. Yes. I'm not saying wisely or unwisely. I just admire <laughs> that she is not. I, I mean I don't want to I don't like to bicker about compliments, but after reading Twilight, I think we were due for some tardiness. <laughs> I was I was sort of hoping she would be a slut bag and I'm disappointed that she's not. <laughs> Well, we had so much more sex in the first two uh, two discs of this than, than all of Twilight. <laughs> I would say infinity more sex. Infinite percent more, yes. But yes. at the same time, there was like one, maybe two sentences. It was a breeze through, that's true. Yeah, it was a breeze through, but oh my god, what a breeze through. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you found that so exciting. Um well, after Twilight, right? I right. Mean, well, I w- maybe for our next book, we should find something where the main character is Hoey and sleeps with everybody. Are we due for some, like, romance novels? Is that the deal? Or... Could, is, is there so such thing as a sex novel? There's porn. We can find <laughs> porn. <laughs> Chris, Alex, and Ezra review porn. <laughs> Watch it, clean up, and weep. <laughs> oh, God. All right, that was a little gross. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that to transition into my compliment, which has nothing to do with sex, but everything to do with penises. Oh boy! Would you mind? Well, maybe. Would Would you mind if I played a clip as part of my compliment? Please. Not at all. Please. 
Okay, so this is from disc two, track five, where the main character, his dog, who's named Clem, joins the conversation. Let's listen. When they reached the house a couple of minutes later, Clem greeted them with a wet nose in the wrong place. <laughs> I wanted to compliment Nicholas Sparks for dealing with the tough issues, because so often <laughs> a dog sniffs your balls and you act like it didn't happen. You're like, no, no, no. You're just confused. You're not a ball-sniffing animal. <laughs> really, they are. So I think, it is, I think it is very healthy that he was willing to just say, at this moment in my life, a dog sniffed my balls. It just said the wrong place, right? It didn't say whose wrong place well, it was. It, it just said... There greeted, was some ambiguity there. It greeted, it greeted them with a wet nose in the wrong place. So it is unclear whose wrong place. And, in fact, it is unclear that it is necessarily the front wrong place. It could be the back wrong place. In fact, it could be... I'd like to think it was the front. <laughs> it could be not junk-related at all. Like, he could have greeted them with a wet nose in the fireplace, which would also be the wrong place. <laughs> wow, your wet nose does not belong there either. <laughs> that drives yeah, up the this, nose. This is one of those weird moments I just realized. It's kind of like, you know, uh, when Snow White's in the forest, all of the living creatures around her just flock to her. Well, the thing about <laughs> Noah is that, you know, he is such a, a paragon of manhood that all of the living creatures that can would like to get their nose up in his business. Up in his wrong place. <laughs> up, in, up in his wrong place, you know. And I think it's, it's just one, maybe it's foreshadowing. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing that later he'll be in the woods and all the woodland creatures will want to sniff him. <laughs> well, I specifically meant with, with the woman. But, oh. Very nice. Well, let's let's do this. Let's let's just kind of summarize where we are so far. Let's talk a little bit about the plot. Yeah. So the plot, as Ezra mentioned, has this framing device where first you're in kind of a retirement home or something. This old guy's reading the notebook to this woman, and he says the notebook in such a way that it, it couldn't not be titular. Yeah. But at the same time, it's the story of how. Two people who are like 29, well, the woman's 29 and the guy's 31, meet up again after having spent three weeks together and had sex once at 15. <laughs> well, one of one of them was 15. The other one was older, right? 17, sure. Yeah, yeah okay. Right. Both okay. still legal. Still legal in the Carolinas. So, <laughs> yes. So in, uh, in this story, their love is so pure and so great that they can meet up after essentially their ages have doubled and they can't help but being attracted to each other, despite the fact that Allie, the woman romantic lead, is now engaged to a successful and rich lawyer. Yes. So she goes out to Noah Calhoun's plantation house that he just restored, <laughs> and, uh, and she goes out and has herself a rustic time being attracted to him so far. That's about it. I'd like to play the opening line of the book to set the mood for us. Oh, please do. Who am I? And how, I wonder, will this story end? And I play that to illustrate to you that the author had a good working knowledge of his jobs. <laughs> <laughs> his two jobs, established character, and somehow read an ending. <laughs> yes, I, we, that, you, you started out asking me who you are and where it's going to end. That is precisely what I was looking to you, the book, to tell me. <laughs> You know, I was actually listening to this. I mean, when it first opened, he asked, who am I? 
And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. How? Why are you asking me? We just started this journey. <laughs> I had no answers. <laughs> The reader of this book is really getting to me. <laughs> I think I think the book has a really slow cadence anyway, and is kind of a sleepy novel. But the the reader is really hard to deal with. As I'm assuming you're listening to this sped up, is that true? Yeah, it's it's again better. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, the cadence is so. There's so much space between his words. I can imagine still getting everything out of this book at two x. I mean, it's know? it's pretty much like he's like. Slightly brain damaged <laughs> at my speed. <laughs> it is so awful. Let's play a clip of the reader's cadence just so you can hear what that's like. The thermostat in my room is set as high as it will go, and a smaller space heater sits directly behind me. I suppose it has most resembled a blue-chip stock, fairly stable, more ups than downs, and gradually trending upward over time. But do not be misled. I am nothing special. Of this I am sure. <laughs> and no matter how you choose to view it in the end, it does not change the fact that it involves a great deal of my life and the path I have chosen to follow. So here's how Grandpa reads this book. <laughs> Any anytime there's a short word with a good vowel sound in it, he stretches it way out. So room has got a good vowel sound, so we'll say, "There's a space heater in my room," <laughs> and then he ends every sentence as if he is passing out. <laughs> there's a space heater in my room, and I have it turned all the way up. Yeah, and everything has that sort of like. Uh, <laughs> he also somehow his accent doesn't seem authentic enough to me like his accent is a little southern but it also sounds like he's he's just whittling something on a porch in in southern vermont it's like <laughs> fog today fog tomorrow <laughs> you know? i picture this guy though as reading other audiobooks so i really wanted him to read twilight to me <laughs> surely it was a good way to die in the place of someone else. <laughs> someone I loved. I stared at Edward's perfect face. <laughs> but I can tell you it involved a man. <laughs> the love of that man and his gorgeous penis are all I could have asked for. <laughs> um, this guy does a lot of readings, it looks like. This is uh, George Guidel. Where does he find the time? <laughs> I mean, how like how does he ever get through one book? <laughs> so so slow. <laughs> oh, he, he does Don Quixote, which I think would take forever because that's a huge book as it is. I yeah. am Don Quixote, man <laughs> of La Mancha. <laughs> All of the criticisms we had of Twilight were just about how badly written it is. And it's definitely not as bad as Twilight. Right. But my criticism of it is very, very different. This is just boring. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. I I, I disagree. This okay. is not only boring, it's offensive. I think it's offensive. <laughs> okay. oh, not just boring. <laughs> Most of what pisses me off about this book 
is that it trades on cliche and that it assumes a lot of things without developing anything real in front of us. So, for instance, when Allie goes back to the house, you know, to meet to meet Noah Calhoun and Noah Calhoun is the picture of strapping Southern manhood. His character flaw is that uh, he's a little lonely. And use some company. I he's, mean, a little, like, he's a little too awesome, I think. Is, is, <laughs> is he's great with his hands. He just restored a house. He's a hard worker. Uh, he's tan and muscular. And then they come together after 15 years, and all of a sudden, everything's back to love and puppies now. Because I, I just have no idea. There's just there's so many leaps in logic for these characters. I definitely agree with you that it is cliche on top of being boring. I think its main problem is that it's boring, and. I just want to fall asleep every time I'm listening to it. But well, why are you listening to this at night in bed? That's what <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the thing. I I listen to this while I'm jogging and drinking coffee and getting punched in the gut repeatedly, and I still have a tendency to nap. <laughs> I, I listen. I listen to this while shooting up heroin, <laughs> and it puts me to sleep every time. <laughs> so, but okay, the cliche is a totally good argument. In fact, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that Noah Calhoun learned the most cliched life lessons I've ever heard. So I have one more 45-second compilation. This is from the first two discs. This is life lessons that Noah Calhoun has learned. Let's listen. But science is not the total answer. This I have learned in my lifetime. Early on, he'd learned to enjoy simple things, things that couldn't be bought. Isolation in nature, far from people and things man-made, was good for the soul. His daddy had always said, Give a day's work for a day's pay. Poetry, she thought, wasn't written to be analyzed. So, so science doesn't have all the answers. Days work for a day's pay. Uh, poetry is not meant to be analyzed. Enjoy nature. Not included here, probably in later halves of the book. Money can't buy love. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> Keep hanging in there. Good stuff might come your way. Yeah. Treat people like you'd like them to treat you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a an example, I think, of what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that Nicholas Sparks wants badly to develop these characters in a way that you're going to be on their side and that you're going to like them and want them to get together. And he does this by just kind of leaning on these kind of cliched life lessons. He likes poetry. He works yeah. outside. You know, she is headstrong and confident, and it used to intimidate men, but that's the exactly the qualities that Noah Calhoun is looking for in a woman. And you're just like, I mean, you're, you're supposed to be rooting for these characters, and I just found them vapid. Yeah. My favorite part is that Noah Calhoun has a folksy old black man to give him folksy old wisdom, <laughs> such as, any man working that hard, you'll be running from something. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes he brings his harmonica and they play the blues. The setup is, every night, Noah sits on his porch, drinking tea and looking out at how beautiful the South is. And from time to time, without announcement, uh, his wise old black friend from down the road saunters up and talks to him about life. I think actually, like Nicholas Sparks was just like watching Shawshank Redemption at the time. He was like, "Oh man, I wish Morgan Freeman was in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Morgan Freeman was in my life." He's like Andy Dufresne. <laughs> this would be really great if right now Morgan Freeman showed up on our podcast and was like, "Pull queers, take by force. It's all they want or understand." But if I were you, 
grow eyes in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Morgan Freeman. You yeah. saved us. He does say in the opening that some might consider this a romance and others a tragedy, which to me signifies sleeping with a dead woman. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way you set up that dichotomy. Yeah. Um, See, my, but, my next line was, um, and people who have read it would consider it boring. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, okay, so obviously the fact that this is a book means she's going to end up with the guy, right? There's no question. And, well, and she's going to get with, but not necessarily end up with. Well, I, mean, I have a, I mean, I have a, I think the opening was pretty transparent and I'm pretty sure what was going on there. Okay. Do you want to hear me speculate? Because I think it might include spoilers if you haven't figured it out yet. I've, I've seen no, the I mean, movie, so I'm okay. Oh, okay. Well, and I, I've never cared. No, I'm just. So. I, okay, so in the beginning, there's a woman who's crying. He sits down in the chair every day to read the notebook of his life. I mean, I'm just guessing that she's in the old folks' home with him and has some terrible disease, and that's why he has to read her their love story every day. That's yeah. my guess. I guess I'm I'm just not committed to that the old guy, the narrator, being Noah Calhoun. Oh, I'm sure it's the uh, same guy. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, but I don't want to go all in on that one. Just oh, because like it could be at the end the lawyer, her fiance, kills him or <laughs> that sounds right. very generous. And so it's actually the lawyer reading this story of how the one time his wife was happy and he ruined it or <laughs> like it would be a lot more interesting, but I don't want to give Nick Sparks that kind of credit. But I mean, <laughs> um, something that's really worth noting, like so, Alex, before you hypothesize that and this is that the Notebook is the story of Noah and Allie, and that's Noah reading it to Allie when they're old. And I, I love the idea that you know, if this is true, I'm not going to say one way or the other. But if it's true, that included in that is like that he reads to her a section about a dog accidentally sniffing a crotch every <laughs> <Exactly>. single day. <laughs> Every day he goes back over the story that includes the innermost thoughts of her former fiance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> includes like her checking herself out in the mirror naked. Yes, like, that's like yeah. that's every day we talk about this. <laughs> I think I realized one of my problems with this. There's no foothold for either of the characters, right? Like they have no problems whatsoever. They just. They love each other, and like they're just perfect people. It's like this essentialist argument. The reason they're great is just because that's who they are. It doesn't matter what they've done. They can't actually change as people. There's no, there's no possibility for growth or anything. They're just great people by nature, and they're meant for each yeah. other. And it's like, think about it, that's not really any kind of romance because you don't have to work for it in any way. I mean, yes, I, I, and I feel the same way like that happened in Twilight that I didn't think it was a real romance because they were just destined for each other. But I'm not really a connoisseur of this genre. And I would assume that that's probably pretty common, that most romance novels aren't let's work through something hard and emerge better people because of it and like all the things that I consider to be love. I'm assuming that that doesn't happen a lot in real romance novels. I mean, I think the only way, I might be wrong about this, but like, I think the way it could work is if you're taking like, you know, two people who are meant for each other is that they can't actually end up together. That's true. You know, like that's how you can get out of it. It's like, yeah, they're perfect for each other, but you know, the Capulets and the whatevers. Um, you know, it's like you can't end up together if you're actually perfect. And, like, that's how you can get away with having perfect characters is if you make it unhappy. Absolutely. And this, like I said earlier, I love the tragedy. I want this to be somebody who is perfect for them and doesn't get it for no apparent reason. I'm guessing that's not this book because, 
I think the beginning part was very transparent. Something that actually would have interested me a bit in this book is I feel like we kind of caught them at the wrong point in their life. I think the 2931 thing, like I'm not sure if that's really an interesting time for me. One, I, they seem a lot yeah. older than that when, we're, when we see them at 2931. They seem decently old. <laughs> and then, well, part of that is the fact that the narrator is 100 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I, I thought about that earlier. I was like, wait, because they mentioned that he was like 30-something, and I went, Really? You sound like you're in your late <laughs> So do you guys have anything else positive you can say at this point? Do you have one more compliment for the notebook? I got something. Okay. Yeah, me too. So the opening line, right? The the who am I and, and how do my story end? It sounds like the book has just become conscious of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've just woken up after a long slumber. Oh, my <laughs> spine hurts. <laughs> it's a crazy huh? thing, right? This is a book who like understands, that, oh no, I'm a terrible book. Like, that's that's <laughs> the worst part of becoming a book. <laughs> who am I and why do people like me? <laughs> I guess I'll move on to mine. He shows her how to hold a crab. And again, I think I had this comment with Twilight. Nicholas Sparks doesn't want to have to describe how to hold a crab. So he's like, like this. And she's like, oh, and so there's just kind of that implicit understanding that he must be holding it by the back in such a way that it can't pinch him and he shows her and actually this is this is the second time this has happened to me and you chris it it happened with the italian food is the exact same situation i was going to compliment the crab as well (laughs) you complimented how it was badly described my compliment was i've been watching a lot of deadliest catch recently Ooh, nice and so i know how dangerous crab fishing is so i really think it was really cool to give noah the ability to pull a crab out of the river because that a lot of people die doing that that's like in the arctic that's not in like a sleepy southern river well it's crab fishing yeah same same thing (laughs) people die man i mean i've set crab traps off of a dock and then pulled them up have you really yeah Successfully? Or was it just yes. empty? Yeah, absolutely successfully. Ha- really? Did you hold them like this? <laughs> yeah, I hold, I hold them just like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I have so much more respect for you now. You live dangerously. I live very dangerously. That's one of the most dangerous jobs, well, in your case, hobby. It's one of the most dangerous hobbies in the world. Yeah, <laughs> is waiting for the crabs to come to you, and then... <laughs> On a pitching dock above thirty foot swells with with <laughs> freezing rain and 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 deadly steel and I'm a cowboy. Hey, listen. If Ezra's compliment can be, it reminded him of a sci-fi theory. Mine can be. It reminded and, me of trashy basic cable shows. And as a follow through, Bon Jovi. thank you guys so much for listening to read it and weave this has been our first podcast on the notebook hopefully we were smarter as our feedback has suggested we ought to be um, in, in any case, we're going to be back next week, dumb or smart, talking about the rest of the notebook. Follow along if you dare. Thanks so much, as Chris. It's always a pleasure. Likewise, my friend. I will talk to you again soon. Good night. Little alive. Little alive.
Thanks for checking out this episode of Read It and Weep. You can find more episodes on our website, readweep.com. That's read-weep.com. And you can send us feedback at our email address. It's podcasts at readweep.com.